Hello and welcome back to iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. In the PropTech hot seat today is Lee Odess, CEO of the Access Control Executive Brief, and he's joining us from Maryland in the US. Uh, Lee, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. No, thank you for the opportunity. It's a privilege, so thank you. Uh, I'm delighted and I'm delighted to talk to you about a, a conversation really that hasn't started to take place properly in Ireland, but actually it was raised at a recent property summit. And that's when we realized actually it's a conversation around access control that needs to happen, hasn't started yet, and particularly around the cybersecurity side of it. Um, so I was keen to reach out and really try to get a, a more global understanding of what's happening. So look, for our audience, you might just explain what is the Access Control Executive Brief? No, thank you. It's a, it's a monthly written brief for executives, as it sounds, and, and really anybody that's interested in or around the physical access control vertical and space. Just like everything, we're going through a digital transformation, uh, and it's an industry that's been sort of centered around the same value proposition since 1973 when it was invented. Uh, and frankly, coming out of the pandemic, uh, a lot of things uh, were sort of coming and phase changes were happening to where we need to have a different conversation, in my opinion, around our industry that's not just technical and not just about keeping bad people out, but a lot about all the changes of what's going on. And we really want to have a, a, also an external uh, input into the verticals of which we play and where, again, we've been an industry that's been somewhat isolated for a lot of good reasons, but now is sort of you know in the limelight for a lot of other good reasons. And I think it's interesting when you pro when you position it that, you know, we have to that it's about more than keeping the bad people out. It's about letting the right people in where it's actually I would have thought that access control from the start has really been kind of oversimplified about letting people in and that now is time to focus on keeping the wrong people out. Have I got that upside down? Yeah, I mean, no, not yes and no. It depends on the way you look at it, right? Because in, in a case of keeping bad people out, it's also letting those people in that respect. But it's really, it's sort of a, a quick sort of saying that I like to do because it changes, though, the way our, our systems work. We've been an industry that's put up barriers and blocking and really has not been about inconveniences. Inconveniences uh, are ways that we create safety and security. So like if the system wasn't necessarily functioning, but it defaulted to not let you in, it was actually seen as a good thing like it, it defaulted to keeping people out and really the 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 beginning the genesis of electronic access control and you could even go back to boulders in front of caves in a lot of ways right back in the you know back way back machine is the whole intent there was to keep people bad people out that was why you put the rock in front of the cave and that's why you put the lock on the door and the way that the systems were have been set up is you create the user, you give them a card, and if you have the card, it lets the right people in. That was defined as uh, right people. But it would, what it did is you didn't have the card, it kept people out. So the flip here has happened is a lot of it's come down around the technology to where you're carrying things and doing things to where you're expressing yourself digitally to a building or anything. And based off of you being authenticated and the policies of the place, you can get let yourself in. Everybody's become a visitor in a lot of ways to a lot of the buildings that, you know, offices and whatnot, because through the pandemic and remote working and the rest, it's just a fundamental different way that you configure a system. And there are people that are focusing on how do you let right people in? There was people that have been focused on how do you keep bad people out? And we want to bring those two worlds together. Um, in terms of smart building trends, 
for 2023 you know as we're looking forward i think it's interesting to me a lot of the things that we predicted for smart buildings um in some ways we're very much behind the prediction so the things that we would have thought would happen in 2016 and 2017 were just about getting around to now but in other ways the pandemic obviously uh, called for some ad hoc solutions, some very fast deployment of solutions. So uh, just, to, you know, for a bit of context, who are you advising? Who are your clients? Yeah, so uh, it's a combination. Uh, it's sort of global, first off, because we're having a lot of European companies now uh, focused on, especially North America or North American companies focused on going over to Europe and Asia and the rest. So it's a combination of both. Um, it's big and small companies, so some of the largest uh, in our industry, as well as some of the largest on the megatech uh, outside of our industry, as well as startups uh, that if you think about from an access control standpoint, the reason why now is really a good time to be in this type of a business. When you're looking at a building, whether you have a tenant engagement application, whatever it is that you have as an application, one of the fundamental utilities that people want to use is to get into the building because that sort of triggers a lot of the downstream things that happens. If I can authenticate and know that you're in the building or you're on your way to the building or you have some interaction with the space, I can then trigger a bunch of things that happen after that. Um, so we find that a lot of these organizations and companies that are creating products for buildings fundamentally always come back to the old crotchety, you know, security in the basement industry and have to work with us because it's fundamentally, if you can't enter in the building, it's going to be pretty hard to order a latte. Uh, so we, we handle that sort of just beginnings. Now, with that, you have some companies now getting into and redefining what access control means, um, but it is always centered around the physical security side of making sure that the place is safe. And then we can do all of the other things around it that you want to do. Um, and that's what makes it exciting right now for, for our, and, and why there's such a, a, a large amount of people that are interested in our space. But how safe are these systems? You know, you talk about uh, being able to enter as the fundamental point, but we know that access control is just one of the proliferation of IoT devices and um, I, I suppose devices, uh, sensors that are being put all around smart buildings. And we like, find you're making the physical building safe from the outside to get in. But what's it doing to the digital infrastructure? You know, all of these different solutions by different providers, are they opening up points of vulnerability? I mean, really, we need to start having a conversation around smart buildings, not just in terms of convenience and comfort and wayfinding. I mean, really, security has to be the conversation for 2023, surely. Yeah, no, and that's what's, that's why I in, in write and talk to our industry a lot about like commanding the space that we're in, because I fundamentally do believe a core tenant of this is going to be built around safety. And the companies that I think have the longevity to, to succeed will be ones that don't forget that that's a core tenant of what you have to deliver. And that definition of safety has evolved in a lot of ways, and it still is evolving. It's, you know, in our industry, safety has always been about the structure and the place. It's now starting to converge more with the logical and, and cybersecurity aspects of it. And those two things in a lot of industries and buildings are no different at this point. But there's a lot of examples where they are totally separate and the two, two departments aren't talking to each other. So yeah, so that to me, it, it is a core, and that's why I'm, to me, our industry is, has been a $10 billion global industry focused on high security, physical security. 
we defined it as a $70 billion industry as it moved away from high security into more mainstream as it started to work beyond airports and hospitals, but into the to enterprise life safety and the rest, where we started doing things beyond just the locking and unlocking side that we do. I believe it's even $100 billion bigger if we really want to get into the ESG story around the S part around societal, where you can do a direct hard line to if you feel safe and you are safe, innovation increases the GDP, like there's a lot of things that happen in a safe society, which I think we fundamentally impact heavily. Because if I don't feel safe going into a building, I'm always looking over my shoulder, I may not even go if I don't feel getting, that's why you look at what goes on at airports. Like some of that is keeping people safe. Some of it's also making sure feel, people feel safe in the same res respect. So I think we're 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 at the beginnings of a very different story that is fundamentally going to change. Now, your question around does it open up your your you know your your attack vectors? Yes, a hundred percent. But I would you could argue though too. A lot of people do that by not bringing them together and not uh, having a broader conversation as industries, but being siloed. You you are fundamentally also an attack vector because of that because you're not part of a a larger ecosystem so it's sort of like pick your poison uh and in some cases you may keep it isolated but i, I don't know i want to move away from the binary views of our industry where you you either are safe or not safe you're either shot or not shot you're either like it, it's there's nuances and it's hard and it's there's a lot that goes to it so like let's let's dig into it like that's what i want our industry to do does part of this come back to maybe the immaturity of digitalization across the property sector? So, uh, you know, we have lots of innovative um, solution providers. They just don't play well together. They don't all integrate. And the problem is everybody thinks the problem that they're addressing is the most important. And, you know, it's, it's a conversation I have uh, through PropTech Ireland. It's a conversation we have with startups all the time. You know, it, it is that... I, you know, I don't want to use the word hubris, because, but but it is a certain amount of hubris that, that people believe the problem they're solving is the biggest problem. And, and the thing is, it might genuinely be a problem and they might have that properly validated. But I think maybe what they fail to understand across the real estate ecosystem is that it's just one problem. It might not even be a priority, it might not even be one that is resourced for, for solutions where it's actually, you know, and you talk about it there in terms of silos, every single startup I talk to, complains about the silos in real estate and then they continue to build their own brand new silo <laughs> and and innovate within it and you know without really good integrations um and it's it's not something that prop tech innovators have been great at doing and similarly for construction technology innovators they haven't been great at playing well together by integrating but you know now we're starting to see that shift over the last two years you know if you don't have an api you just don't get to get into smart buildings um that's the reality but nobody's protecting who's responsible for the back-end digital infrastructure then who's who has ultimate responsibility yeah i you know i wish i had the answer to that your last question because that that's fundamentally a, a great one it's like who owns the data also like there's a lot of questions that frankly i don't think we know there's some good practices so a couple of things on that i mean i don't know why we would think our industry is any different than any others that are out there whether you know you could have taken what you said and instead of saying smart buildings said politics and it probably you know would have would have worked as well so yeah we're no different than 
the rest of society and in the world of where, you know, my problem is the biggest problem and I've got the answer and it's everybody else's like the same, the same group that, you know, I, I would, I would say there's joint blame and a lot of, yeah, you've got the ones that are off doing, thinking they're the first ones that have ever thought of this idea and they've got the end. I've got a group over on this side who's dug in their heels in that, Hey, we've been doing this since the early seventies and it's the best way to do it. And no other idea is there. It's like, all right, well, you're equally the problem. So like collectively together, that's why I feel, and, and I guess I call them old truths and new truths. And I think the, there are old truths that will continue to go on in our industry. There are some that will die off. There will be new ones that come. And some of these new ones are just frankly too new to be relevant. And then these new ones that are, they kind of get milled together. And that's that's what our industry looks like. And for ours, for the access control, which I think mirrors other areas, that's where you're seeing the splinter off into our industry's never been an enterprise software industry. It's always been a hardware industry. And it's always been a single sort of binary value proposition. Now we've got many and we have enterprise software and it's changed. We have now we have hardware that supports software versus before it was like we only had software that supported hardware. Like that was it. So like there's fundamental shifts that are happening all over that. And I think what is needed is a bigger conversation with more people at the table to work and solve these problems that have existed for a long time. And it's an evolution thing more than it is like, you know, a, a revolution, I guess, without being too corny. It's we're, we're just like molting, we're evolving. It's like, it's just moving in that direction. Now, I do think we're on hyperspeed because compute power is different. We've got more people that understand it. Um, you know, like for a long time, most end users didn't think about our industry ever. It's like, you know, if I, I tell people I work in physical access control, they have no idea what that is, but they're starting to, and you see it at, and and there's now even like Apple's got into it with Apple Wallet. And so like, it's just, it's becoming more mainstream that I think the expectations change along that go with that. So maybe we haven't had some of the pressures to evolve as much as we've had before. We've been allowed to keep the 1970s value propositions because we'd be like, oh, the customer doesn't care. Well, frankly, now the customer cares. Like I, a, a big developer I met with last week told me I'm no longer in, in the building business, I'm in the hospitality business. And it's sort of like, oh, that's interesting. Cause now their expectations and sort of the unwritten contract that they have with the people that interact with their space has completely changed. So now, so to the products. And if people dig in and say, I don't do that, and you leave me alone, and we're not going to do it, sorry, but at some point, you're not going to be important anymore. And they're going to find someone who will. So I just think there's sort of a, we're, we're, we're evolving. And it's that's what's so awesome about the industry that we're currently in right now, is that it's it's massive, it's changing. And the people that die on these hills will die on these hills. And there's going to be a group that will move it forward. And, uh, you know, I'd like to believe I'm part of that group. And so are you. And a lot of people that do what you do and I do are are part of that. So it's it's a good time to be in it. You know, um, really what I'm getting from what you just said there, I, I love, frankly, now the consumer cares. You know, that, yeah. that, that should be underlined. Like, frankly, now the consumer cares. That's what's different. That's what's changed. You know, just. Today, I read in, you know, I, I'm part of a WhatsApp group for prop tech uh, people and hubs right across Europe, actually, probably beyond Europe. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe we're fully global now. And somebody used, I, I love when I learn new language in this, and somebody used the term brand lords because mm -hmm. landlords have to be so 
focused on their brand. So brand yeah. lords. And I thought, wow, that's great. Who came up with that? I love that. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it was being done in a joking way, but actually that's very true. Previously, nobody cared who owned the building. Now people care. Now people care before the building's even built. So to yeah. get stuff developed, you need to have your brand in order. Um, I think it's interesting when you position it as old truth and new truth. I, I'm a big believer, having grown up in a very large family, uh, I'm a big believer in the three truths principle. You know, there's your side, my side, and then the side of, an, of a conscientious <laughs> objector <laughs> yeah. uh, looking on and unbiased and unbiased uh, from the outside. What's the, what's the equivalent of that in new and true? What are we missing if we look at old and new truths? What, what's the third one missing there? Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's just, uh, I don't know, uh, like fundamentals. Like, you know, like there, there, are, there are fundamentals that come into this. Like I, I always joke around the idea that, you know, there's there's utilities uh, that go into the building and they haven't figured out yet how to make, you know, electricity just like float through the air. And they haven't figured out how to make water, you know, like it's just there's there's like fundamental utilities inside the building that that are factors that still get in the way. So maybe there's old truths, new truths and reality in a lot of cases. And you got to deal with all three of them to 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 come to what what what's going on now i don't know yeah that's i haven't thought about that but that's 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 a so, good question so i mean you know you're right there's still a lot unexplored there's a lot yet to be solved i mean look the really the driver of innovation is always about making things better it's about solving problems solving inconveniences there are still a lot of problems still a lot of inconveniences <laughs> across the built environment i mean where do you think this industry is heading well, uh, where do I think it's heading? I, so there's a handful of things. I do think it becomes even more global. Like that's one aspect that I that I'm seeing, especially in our industry of of the the barriers of entry uh, in our industry specifically has always been the hardware. So it was like almost impossible if I was in North America to sell my lock in the Nordics, just because the fundamental way the locks are are very different. Well, now. I can enter in and be a software centric organization and I can make an impact anywhere because the, regardless of what the lock type is, it may have be uh, connected. So now I can create a different user experience that's on top of that. And that's opened up channels of uh, the, frankly, new, new players that have not been there. And, and our industry has been very cottage on that side. We didn't have a lot of outside external forces that impacted us heavily. We were able to isolate ourselves now. I've got a bunch of external forces that are unpredictable. We've been a very predictable industry. It's now very unpredictable in a lot of cases, and we're in the midst of it. And you could look at it two ways. You could like moan about it, that it's a bad thing, or look at it as it's exciting because with that unpredictability opens up opportunity and and, and that is uh, exciting. I also think that like just over time, you're starting to see a refactoring of power structures uh, in a lot of cases in our industry of like, you know, forever in our industry, you had to sell the product a certain way. You had to go through the channel in order for that to happen. And that really defined your speed of growth and, and information feedback, like a lot of things to where now, you know, especially as everybody went online all over the world, the way we discover products and the conversations we have directly with manufacturers and different people in the, in the chain has completely changed. So that, that has opened up 
uh, I would say new opportunities. It's refactored how the ecosystem, the value chain of how products go to market. It doesn't mean you don't sell through the channel still. It just doesn't mean that you're reliant only on that message going to the market as fast as that person or persons wanted it to go. So I'm finding the that's impacted by opening up different conversations, different ways to collect information. It's created new opportunities. I mean, like what I do as a business fundamentally didn't exist in a lot of ways prior to everyone going online to have this conversation like you and I, I we probably have to wait till we got to a trade show or you know we used our telephones to go do it but like you know for me to go global for instance on my thing is relatively easier than it was before I can only compound that by a million of other things that are going on I also think that uh, people's uh, uh, tastes and changes and sort of the the habits and the wants and the needs that we talked about like those are have evolved and changed i don't i do think people are fed up in a lot of ways of just like well this is how it is it's like well i don't know if it needs to be that way so for our industry for instance the end user the people that use the cards and phones to get into the building have never really been a stakeholder. We've never had to have that conversation. Now, all of a sudden I have a new stakeholder. I fundamentally, I got a, I had a meeting last week with one of the larger companies in our industry. They wanted to show me their new product. The thing they led with that they were most excited about was the fact that they were able to show me that they had an end user as a person inside their system. And I'm like, it's 2023. And your headliner is that we, we now care to pay enough and have a value proposition enough that an end user who fundamentally is the person that we're protecting forever is now all of a sudden has a voice and an input and a direct relationship with you where the information's coming and you're having to put resources towards it. You know, like it, it was just, it, it shifted and fundamentally changed the way that they build and now think about their products. Like that's not small. And I think that's happening all over the place. And you're starting to see it. I saw it in lighting when I worked for a lighting control company early on where they gave us, when wireless was put into the lighting, I then gave the ability to, to control the light above my head versus having to live with the lights at the same for everybody who worked in the building. It was like, you know, you could have any choice you want as long as it was black. Like that was it. It's like the old Ford way of doing it to where now I had personal control. Like all of a sudden that shifted in the refactored that business to be like, all right, I'm building for that person now versus before it was like, I didn't have to care about him because everybody got the same access control is starting to have that as well, because I have a relationship now with people in their hands that impact engagement of a building before. If you walked up to the building and I used the card, and it didn't work. We're like, cool. It didn't let you in. It means it's working. Like now you do that. You can have a direct line to, I don't want to work here because I don't feel welcomed. Like, that's like, how do you deal with that? So that I feel like a lot of fundamentals have, have shifted now and where it's going. I don't know, but I, I think it's going to be better than it was yesterday. Um, I love that you brought it back to, I suppose, the human side of it and human centric, yeah. because if you, if at any point today or at any point over the last number of decades, you ask people really at its core, what is the real estate industry about? They would have said it was people. It's a relationship based business, whereas actually every system we have across the built environment tells us that they weren't designed for humans, they weren't designed for people. And actually, I think technology, unfortunately, carries that mantle forward. Um, so even things like the Tenant Engagement Act were done for the convenience of the building and the providers and the landlord, as opposed to the actual 
consumers, the, the users of space. And while we know that that's changing, it's changing in a really tokenistic way. You know, we haven't seen it properly filter down. It's um, and, and, you know, one of the interesting things is this really is people and relationship-based industry. And we know this by way of the solutions that are being put forward. We know they're not the best solutions. It's the ones that have the best relationships. You know, yeah. so I, how how are, how are real estate as a relationship-based model shows up is not in the best ways for the industry. It's not producing the best outcomes. Um, and I, I'd love to hope that technology businesses will change that. So whether they're coming from a consumer-led innovation or industry-led innovation, whichever side of the, the stream they're coming from, that they would actually lead with a more human focus. Do you know that we really do return yeah. it to being a people, about being about people and places where you want to spend time, where the, the human is the focus. But, I, you know, am I, am I cynical to think that that's only been done in a tokenistic way now? Like, are, really, can we bring this back to putting people at the centre? Yeah, I, I do. So I'll tell you why and like why I believe it will. Like, does it happen? It'll never happen as fast as we all want it to be, right? Like, and there'll be a whole group of examples that someone will give me of why it won't, but that's fine. I'll, I could probably give equal or not more of how it will. But one fundamental way that I've seen it happen is I'm seeing a bunch of companies that I work with look at the developer as a distribution arm to the tenant and to the people that are using the app. And you're seeing actually companies' valuations go up based off of, does that product get an interaction with the end user? And because of that, what can I do with that real estate in, in time now that they that I have an interaction with them, right? So like, I, I think the shift of looking at de some developers as not the end customer, but their customer's customer as the end customer frames a different way that you price, you go to market, you build, the rest of it that is just an example before, most people, especially in our industry, that was the final customer. So like I had to just work with the distribution, the channel to sell it to the building to get it into the building and I was done and I can move on to where now it's like, all right, now I've got to think that next step forward of like, all right, what does my user experience look like of my application? Because that's also the other thing is like apps used to just be like remote controls of the device that was analog on the wall. It was sort of like, yeah, push the button and it unlocks the door. Great. No one cares. Like they do, but not as much as somebody cares about how it interacts with your food delivery to your space or uh, the ability for you to send keys to somebody else to get access. Or when you're remote working and all of a sudden you can't get to your building, what's the level of, are people in there? Are they not? Is there an emergency like mustering? Like I can't get to the building. So I have no eyes into it at that point. How do I interact? So there's a whole lot that goes into changing the value proposition story that goes, especially in our industry, beyond locking and unlocking is sort of the, that's where the exciting part is. It doesn't mean that the other is bad at all. We still need that $10 billion cottage industry because that's a very good industry. We we need that. We need to also, though, recognize the fact that it's expanded beyond just the locking and unlocking and keeping bad people out. And again, I use that as an example because of the world I live in, but I bet you I could say that about HVAC. You could say that about connectivity, plumbing, everything else that goes into the building. These fundamentals exist there, too. My, my stories just happen to be connected to the access control industry. Lee, I could talk to you about this all day, yeah. but I am conscious of time. Before right. we finish up, you might just tell our audience a little bit about your book. 
Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Right there. Uh, it's called the six phase changes shaping access control. So basically it was a six phase changes shaping access control. Yeah. So it tells you a little bit of exactly what it is, but it is a little long. Um, but yeah, it's just like that. There's six things that in our belief that were impacting the industry that not a lot of people were talking about, or if they were, it was not really thought through. So we we took a look at those like marketing, uh, technology, innovation engines, talent, you know, and actually it was purposely done to just also show that it our industry is not just technical. There's a whole lot of other stuff that goes into it that we should be thinking about um, as an industry that are impacting the decisions that are being made external. But then also, if you want to be a company that is set up properly to go after that $70 billion market versus 10, you need to be thinking about this. I'll give you a good example. Most people in our industry, there isn't even a chief marketing officer or a marketing person that's not doing anything beyond just product marketing, making cut sheets in, in the access control. It's like, well, that's a great indicator of me that we don't necessarily have great messages and communication to the market and we need to fix that. Yeah, that would, I haven't read it yet, but I definitely look forward to doing that because I think it's a really interesting area. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't I, I, I wasn't uh, exaggerating the issue when I genuinely believe this is the issue for smart buildings in 2023. I, I said as much at a recent um, property conference here in Ireland and afterwards, I've never had as many people come up to me afterwards and say, thank you. You know, we've been trying to say this for so long. And, and I suppose the interesting thing was I didn't have anything else to offer. I only posed the problem. I had no solution, um, but actually maybe posing the problem is enough just to get us started. Uh, Lee, before we finish up, tell me, do you have, do you have a background in sports competitively? Uh, I played uh, American football my, my entire life. And so, yeah, why, why do you ask? Because when you talk about the unpredictable, uh, the unpredictability of the future of this cross-section of technology and the built environment and what comes next for how we use and reimagine space post-pandemic and, and in this new era of hybrid working. You know, you talk about that unpredictability um, as exciting, whereas actually on, only a sports person doesn't know the difference between the, the, the I suppose, the nervous system, how it reacts to anxiety and, and excitement. So that's really interesting. So actually what we really need are more competitive sports people in real estate if they want to find this unpredictable, you know, if they want to find this exciting. So that's it's either that or my uh, my psychologist that I talk to on a regular basis to give me the to not have as much. So yeah, either either we need to seek help or play sports. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, one of the two. Uh, or, or or maybe both. Lee. Or both. Maybe, yeah. maybe both. Listen, thank you so much. I genuinely enjoyed our conversation. You know, again, lots more questions um, still to to be answered. You know, uh, uh, the future of work, to my mind, is absolutely still unfolding. I think there's zero credibility in MD who's putting forward a, this is how it is. This is how it's going to be i think it is absolutely unfolding because humans are pretty unpredictable um so look i i hope this is a conversation we can pick up again maybe in mid 2023 um but for now that's always time for it my thanks to lee odesk ceo of the access control executive brief and that's it from us this week you can get in touch with the show on social media at iProperty radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. My thanks to the Hear Me Roar production team and to Luke Delaney on sound for Dublin South FM. Until next time, thank you for listening.